0: us in this area of of treating our pastor. All right. Well, it's Father's Day. I think you all know that, right? How many of you uh, men and and our ladies have called your father this morning and wished him Happy Father's Day? Uh, I did. I called my father this morning and, and wished him a Happy Father's Day and he did the same to me and we uh we enjoyed that moment or two there. Uh I always always try to... It's a good thing. It's an important thing to remember your fathers and honor your fathers. We'll talk more, a little bit more about that in the next hour. Uh, but for right now, this morning, I want to talk to us concerning how to treat our pastor. Let's pray before we continue. Holy Spirit, we ask, uh, indeed, that you would be the teacher today, that you would instruct us uh, from biblical principles and help us, each of us to love and Honor our pastor, the man that you've given us, and help us to treat him well and, and to treat him with the, the, the respect and the honor that he deserves. Thank you for all that are here this morning, and we ask that you would bless them for coming. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We live in a society today that is very suspect of authority. Uh, You turn the television set on, and there's always someone in authority being scrutinized. And I'm not always saying that's a bad thing, because we have a lot of people today in authority that are pretty corrupt. But as a whole, our society doesn't trust authority. We also live in a society that places a higher expectation upon those in authority than we place upon ourselves. Uh, what, what we expect from our leaders, often we don't expect from ourselves. So it, it puts us in somewhat of a difficult position at times uh, and, and, and makes it hard to be equitable with our leaders. In many cases, this philosophy has crept into our churches across America. And many times in, in many churches, uh, pastors come under great scrutiny. And and certainly we should, uh, we should know the man of God and we should, we should make sure that the man of God is, is living his life according to uh, principles found in Scripture. But certainly um, we should not um, bypass those same expectations upon ourselves. But it, I have observed in the, in the past 30 years of ministry that the majority of professing Christians have developed uh, this attitude toward their pastor. Uh, now, it's, it's very important for us to remember uh, that a, a pastor has some very unique characteristics. Uh, he is a man, yes, but he is a man that has been called by God to the work that he does. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, we read, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So we see that pastors are men who have been called by God. They have been called into their office. They have been chosen by the Lord to to conduct that ministry and to do that work. So they're unique in that. The pastor is a man that has been equipped by God. Not only has he been called by God, but he's been equipped by God to do his work. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, we read, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ so we see from what Paul tells us here that the pastor is a man who has been equipped by the Lord and I can tell you I've I've worked alongside of pastors for 30 years and I can tell you that the work of the pastor, it is not for the common man. Uh, the average man could not, could not handle sitting in the seat of a pastor for 30 days, let alone 30 years. So a pastor is a very unique individual. He's a man that God has called. We saw that in the calling of, of, of uh, Barnabas and Paul. He's a man that's been equipped, as Ephesians tells us. He's, he's, been, he's been outfitted by the Lord for the work of the ministry. So we see that the pastor, while he is a man, just as you and I, he is also sanctified by God for this special work that he does. Therefore, it it would seem logical to me that the pastor is someone that should be treated with a level of respect above those that are around us. Everybody tries to respect the president, right? I know for the last few terms we haven't had men that we could necessarily click our heels over, but the presidency is an office of, of, of dignity and an office of respect, and we, we should respect the men that hold these high offices. And so it is with our pastor. Remembering and realizing he's a man and not, not praising him or worshiping him or adoring him as God, and that's one of the problems in America today, by the way, a lot of churches you go to, people are drooling and falling over the pastor. And they, they praise and worship the man of God more than they do the God of man. And that's not right. And any pastor who will accept and take that praise is a man that's not right with God either. For a true man of God would reject such adoration by, by the men around him. But that was for free. That wasn't in my notes. The pastor is to be treated as God's appointed leader for the church. So given this, what should you and I do? How should we treat our pastor? I, wanna, I want to, with the 30 minutes I have, I want to try to give you some points. Hopefully we'll get through all of these and uh, they'll profit, be a profit to us. Number one, how should we treat our pastor? Pray for him. We should pray for the pastor. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Verses 1 and 2, we read, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Uh, We're to pray for the pastor. Now, every one of us here uh, should have a, a prayer life. Certainly, a Christian should have a prayer life, a time uh, when, we, we, when we get apart from everything and we, we remove our attention from everything and we place our attention only on God and we communicate through prayer with the Lord. And um, certainly in our prayer life, we should pray for one another. We should pray for our families. We should pray for our friends and, and the acquaintances that we have and things such as this. Now, most people probably would not pray for every individual person they know every day. I don't do that. I, if I did, I, with all the people I know, I, I'd spend most of my day praying and n- not accomplishing anything else that's expected. So what, what we would do, uh, commonly what people will do, is is they'll break their prayer list down into sections, and they'll pray for, like Joseph. I'll pray for him, I don't know, once every six months or so. I don't know. No. I pray for Joseph and Navanita probably twice a week, and each of you I probably pray for you t- two or three times a week. But I pray for my pastor every day. Every day I lift my pastor in prayer to the Lord because his office demands that. His his responsibilities are, are such that we need to pray for him. Paul said, pray for us. Because he, he gives some reasons, but one of them is there's some really unreasonable and wicked men out there that seek to harm him, seek to do them harm. So we under, and, and each of us here certainly understand and appreciate. The power of prayer. Oh, I'm pretty sure probably everyone in this room, you've had a moment in your life where you needed to have God's people praying for you. Where something of of such magnitude happened in your life that, and and you you know the great power of prayer and we appreciate when other people pray. That's why when people give us prayer requests on Wednesday nights, those are important. Those are people that have needs, and they're they're asking God's people to come together and and, and petition the throne of God that he would would answer their, their prayer. So we understand, each of us understand the power of prayer. And James, in his writings, reminds us about the great power of prayer. In James 5, 16, where he writes, Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another that ye may be healed, and then he follows up that statement with this one: "The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. oh yes, there's much profit there's much there's much to be to be gained through prayer and when god's people come together and pray over the years we've seen tremendous miracles take place through the power of prayer, and certainly, as as, as we read in Paul's letters to the Thessalonians, no one needed, uh, needs our prayers more than he that is on the front line in the battle, the pastors. Paul in Thessalonians said, pray for us. Pray for us. And, and the men of God, uh, pastors need prayer. So pray for your pastor every day. Let me give you some thoughts about things we should pray for, for our pastor. First, we should pray for his health. Pray for the health of our pastor. Um, Few people that I know are under as much stress as a pastor. Uh, Matter of fact, let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you will, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. And I'll begin reading at verse 23, and you can read along with me silently. 2 Corinthians Chapter 11, beginning at verse 23. Paul writes here, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. And he's not talking about wearing striped clothing here. He's talking about beatings. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils by mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is offended, and I burn not? Here in this passage of Scripture, we, we see Paul talking about the great stress and the great the uh, the the great suffering that he faces every day, and one may say, "Oh well, that was the Apostle Paul, and you know the pastors today—they got it made. It's 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 a cakewalk, and you know they have nice big air-conditioned offices and all these other things." But if you were to sit in the seat of a pastor for for one week and deal with the many issues that he must deal with, and 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 not only the issues. Of the church, but remember, he has a family too, huh? How many of you husbands here? Honestly, how many of you husbands spend a reasonable amount—a reasonable amount of time—worrying about your family, huh? How many of you do that? Uh, sure, we do, right? We worry about our family. I worry about my family. My my children are all grown, but I still worry about them, and 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 uh, we worry about our finances, don't we? Those bills come in, and and our checkbook is like a basketballs bouncing all over the house. Huh? and we worry don 't we? Well, can you imagine a, a pastor has all of those worries plus he has he has the worry of sitting behind his desk with and counseling with people that have marital issues, people that have 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 illnesses, serious illnesses, people that are in distress, and these, and, and people come to him and, and and they open their heart to him, and they lay their burdens on him and he As a pastor, he accepts those burdens and he carries them with him. Uh, And that's stressful. My doctor once told me, you need to learn to relieve stress. And I told her, I said, in my line of work, that's impossible. I'm a school teacher. There is no such thing as non-stressful days in school. Um, but But we must pray. We must pray that our pastor will be spared these things as much as possible. And most certainly... Uh, We do not want to be the cause of any of his stress or suffering. We should strive to pray that God will help us to be a blessing to our pastor and not a burden to him. So pray for his health. Then secondly, letter B, pray for his safety. Pray for his safety. We read just a a, a moment ago about uh, Paul taking the beatings and being in peril, he said, by mine own countrymen. But just a little further down uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you're still there, look at verse 32. Here he says, In Damascus, the governor under uh, Aretas, the king, kept the city of Damascenes with a garrison, desires to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Um, Paul barely escaped with his life. They wanted to imprison him. They wanted to destroy him. Uh, and and he barely escaped. We need to pray for the safety of the pastor. We need to pray for his safety. I I, I worry often about about uh, men who stand in pulpits and preach truth. They develop enemies. They develop people that hate them. And and sometimes I often pray that God will keep our pastor safe from from those men who would seek to do him harm. Uh, And and, and that is important. You'd say, well, we live in America. Those kind of things don't happen, really. Go home this afternoon and and do a Google search on violence against pastors and and see how much material will pop up. You'd be amazed. Uh, Men of God are hated. And they're hated because we're not of the world. That's why Christians are hated. We're not of the world. Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love you. But you are not of the world, therefore the world loved you not. And, and we must pray for the safety of, of the man of God. And this is something a lot of people overlook in their prayers for the pastor, uh, about his safety. We, 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 we worry about our own well-being, but we need to worry about his as well. Then thirdly, letter C, pray for his family. Pray for the pastor's family. Pray for his wife and his children. Uh, And by the way, those of you who have small children, um, don't be unfair with the pastor's family. Um, Be patient and compassionate toward the pastor's family, the same as you are toward your own. Um, You know, a pastor's family didn't vote on being a pastor's family. You know that? Now, if if a pastor is young enough and he marries before he, he he enters into the pastorate, his wife married him knowing he was going to be a pastor. That's that's fine. Uh, but certainly, uh, they didn't have communication with their children before they were born and said, "Now look, uh, we're you know we're a pastor's family here, so you may not want to be born into this family." <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not that way. When, People in the ministry, often their children had, had no vote in the thing. They just grew up that way. They, they were forced to grow up that way. So we need to, we need to learn to be, be patient and walk around saying, boy, did you see the way the pastor's daughter came dressed to church today? Wasn't that horrible? Listen, be, be patient and compassionate. The, uh, they're individual people just like, just like you are. And, and it was not necessarily their choice to be in the pastor's family. And they're doing the best that they can, I'm sure, to honor their father and, 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 and maintain their individuality throughout their lives. How many of you realize and understand children are just little devils in an angel suit? Hmm? <laughs> you, don't, you understand that? You know, the Bible says that there's, that there's uh, um, evil in the heart of a child, but a baseball bat will beat it out, right? No, a rod of correction, they said, a rod of reproof will drive it from them. So so be patient. Now, fortunately, in our case, our pastor doesn't have little children, but he has adult children. And, 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 you know, don't be hasty to judge the pastor against what his adult children say or do. So pray for his his family. By the way, how would you like it, all of you men here, how would you like it if your job stability depended upon how your family behaves? How would you like that, huh? How would you like it if your boss called you in tomorrow morning and said, listen, uh, I saw something... Your daughter posted on Facebook. And buddy, let me tell you, you straighten this up or you're out of here. Mm. Would you like that? Uh, And and you know, we have to be careful. Because boy, we're so fast to be judgmental of those in authority. But rarely does that finger of, of judgment point back at us. So pray for his family. Then fourthly, pray for his ministry. Pray for his ministry. Paul stated that earlier, that the, that the gospel would have free course, that, that they would be, uh, pray that he would be delivered from unreasonable men. Pray for the ministry of the pastor. Pray for the ministry of Berean Baptist Church. By the way, the success of your pastor's ministry directly benefits each of us. Did you realize that? If the pastor's ministry is is profitable and successful and, and is being blessed by the Lord, guess what? We're all part of that, that church, and we all get blessed with it. If a pastor's ministry fails, and, and if, if things are, are not the way they should be within the church, guess who pays for it? We do. So, in essence, when we pray for the pastor and his work, we're praying for our own blessings as well. So think about it that way. And remember to pray for the pastor... Uh, pray for his ministry. So pray for his health, pray for his safety, pray for his family, and pray for his ministry. But not only are we to pray for our pastor, but number two, uh, how should we treat our pastor? We should provide for his needs. We should provide for his needs. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul writing to Timothy writes this, that the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. And that's, that's your pastor. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Now what this scripture has is a picture of, of, of a man who's, who's treading out his corn. And, and what that basically is, is he's, he's driving his, his, his oxen through his cornfield uh, with, with the reapers, and, and these reapers are reaping the corn. And you, what he's saying here is that that ox is worthy of his labor, so don't put a muzzle on him so that he can't reach down there and grab an ear of corn and chomp on it while he's working. Be, be, be compassionate and considerate to your ox. Now, if we're going to be kind to our ox... <laughs> what about to our pastors? I am so thankful, though, that in, in this area, it's not an issue here at Berea, and I'm so thankful that our deacon board and, and, and the, the good people in our church are, are happy to, to take care of our pastor um, and see to his needs as effectively as, as we possibly can. I'm very thankful for the way in which our church provides for the needs of the pastor. Uh, however, there are many churches in America that do not do so. In fact, uh, and the fact, I've heard former members of this church uh, actually insinuate that the pastor is paid too much money. And, and, and this, type of, this type of attitude, however, I must state, usually stems from jealousy. It usually stems from people who, who don't make that much money for whatever reasons, and they're jealous, and they can't stand to see someone else doing better than they than they can do. And you know, I think that the scripture is pretty clear that a pastor is a preacher is not to uh, you know. When Jesus sent his disciples out, he told them, "Don't carry a purse, only have one coat." And there's a certain there's a certain truth to the fact that pastors should li- live uh, meek lives. They shouldn't be. Extravagant and gaudy with jewelry, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be having a limousine drive them from their uh, palatial estate to the church every Sunday morning and back and forth. I don't think a pastor should should be a, a, a hoarder of finances. I don't think he should stockpile. I, I think there's nothing wrong with a pastor who is being frugal and is looking to the needs of his family and is, is trying to save money and perhaps has a retirement plan. I think those are, I think those are worthy things and things that would be good. But, but I don't think a pastor should be trying to get wealthy and rich off the back of his people. I certainly don't think that. Uh, but, but there are so many pastors in this, in this nation of ours that are kept just above poverty. They're, they're kept to the point where they can barely exist, barely subsist, and the churches are not being frugal and are not being equitable, I should say, with their pastors. Um, this attitude, as I said, it, it stems from jealousy, and we all know that jealousy will lead to bitterness, and bitterness, we know, leads to destruction. Therefore, let us all rejoice... Learn to rejoice at the opportunity that we have to provide for our pastor and his family. Now that being said, allow me to share just a few thoughts with you concerning this matter of providing for the needs of the pastor. A, on your sheets, be generous with his salary. Be generous with his salary. In Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 4, we read, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn. Uh, be generous to 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 our, to your pastor as generous as you can. I don't I don't think that it's I don't think that it's necessarily uh, prudent for a church to to go into financial distress just to keep the pastor fat and sassy. I don't think that's right. But I think that we should look to our budget each year. We should look to our abilities, our resources, and and certainly we shouldn't put the pastor on the bottom of the list. We should have him up at the top and, and see to his needs as best we possibly can. Be generous with his salary. By the way, how many of you have ever been stuck in a dead-end job? Huh? A job with no hope of advancement, no, no gratification of any kind. That's not a very pleasant place to be, is it? I, was, I had a job like that once and eventually it got to the point where I just had to quit it. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I'm, I fear there's a lot of young pastors across this country that have just that have just given up because they just can't take care of their family while trying to be a pastor. And that's a shame. Uh, why should we keep our pastor under such circumstances if it lies within us to do better? Uh, consider the admonition of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 where he writes... Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope uh, should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. It is God's will that we, the members of the church, Uh, look to the needs of our pastor uh, and take care of him financially. Uh, But not only should we be generous with his salary, but secondly, we should be mindful of his family needs. Be mindful of the needs of his family. As I stated this earlier, very few of us here understand what a pastor's family goes through. First, there is the scrutiny from every member of the church if there's a function, how many, let, me, let me ask you now. How many of you have ever been too tired to go to uh, some function of the church? How many of you have ever been, I said, I'm just too tired, I just, I just can't go. Well, if the pastor or his wife don't show up, what happens? Ooh, so often they're saying, hey, pastor doesn't like me. He didn't come to my thing here because he doesn't like me. And and, and his family is under great scrutiny. There have been times when I've seen Mrs. Smith go someplace and attend some woman's meeting or something, and she's as sick as can be, But she goes because she wants she doesn't want her husband to fall under criticism because she wasn't there. And, and we've got to be careful about that. The pastor's family falls under severe scrutiny. Then there are the disappointments they face because their plans often get put on the back burner because of a church situation that requires the pastor's attention. Uh, yeah, I've, my family's experienced that. At times, we were about to do something, and I get a phone call, and the pastor's on the phone and says, listen, I need you to take care of this, and I need you to take care of this right now. And I've had to put my, I've had to put my family plans on the side so I can go and take care of the responsibilities of the ministry. And, and you need to understand that this happens to, to, to pastor's families. This happens to minister families. Uh, you've, uh, you men in our church who are deacons, if it hasn't already happened to you, it's going to happen to you. Uh, this is what the ministry is all about. It's about caring for and seeing to the needs of people. And sometimes a pastor's family uh, has to get pushed aside so he can do his job. Well, then there's the lack of finances that so often permeate a pastor's household. We should take, each one of us should take every opportunity given to us to be a blessing to our pastor and look to the needs of his family. Uh, this, is a, this is the best blessing you can be to him. By the way, I tell you what, if you went to Pastor Smith and said, is there anything I can do for you, Pastor? He would, he would tell you, um, be nice, be kind to my wife, love my wife, do something for my wife. Don't, don't buy me a gift, buy it for my wife. And that's, that's what he would do. And nothing pleases a pastor more than to see the church loving and caring for his family. So, we, we pray for the pastor. Uh, secondly, we, we uh, provide for his needs. Thirdly, we participate in his work. We participate in his work. Philippians chapter 4, Paul states, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech... Um, Eu odious and beseech sentkey that they be of the same mind in the lord and i entreat thee also true yoke fellow help those women which labored with me in the gospel with clement also and with my other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life paul here gives reference to those who helped him in his labors and you and i as members of Berean baptist church we should participate in the work of the, of, the, of the pastor we should participate in the work of the ministry when he has when he has visitation programs we should be a part of that we should participate well i'm tired when i get home from work well so is he <laughs> but help him be a help participate in the work of the church we have a cleaning day show up come out here and help help with those things participate in the work uh, of the church it 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 it's a blessing to the pastor but let me give you Three more direct ways you can participate in the work of the pastor. Three very direct things. Here they are. Number one, letter A, by guarding his time. You can help the pastor accomplish his work by guarding his time. I don't have time to read all the scriptures I have cited, but um, in Acts chapter 6... We read Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto him and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Um, There are two ways that you and I can guard the pastor's time. First, by taking on the tasks that we can. Now, there, there are some things that the pastor himself has to do. We can't do them for him. But there are some things that he has to do that we could do. So we, we should go to him and we should say, Pastor, what can I do for you? What can I do today to help you that would, that would make your day a little bit less um, busy, a little bit less stressful? Do the things that we can. Uh, secondly, we can, we can guard his time by resisting the urge to fellowship with him throughout the day Uh, as much as possible don't just drop in and visit the pastor without an appointment Uh, and resist the desire to pick up the phone and call him up and say hey pastor what you doing you know it's very presumptuous of us to assume (coughs) that he is just sitting around with nothing better to do than chat with us he's a pretty busy man I'll tell you that (coughs) he's very busy and, and uh, you want to communicate with him? There's a, there's a neat system out there. It's, it's incredible. I don't know if you've all discovered it. It's called email. And uh, if you send him an email, he can read it when he has time, and he'll reply to you. And he's good about replying to emails, by the way. He always does. Now, I, had to, I had to make myself stop bothering him. Uh, our former pastor was one that was always calling me in his office to talk about this or talk about that. And when Pastor Smith took over, I found myself, often during the day, just going over there and opening the door and saying, hey, Pastor. And, you know, I said, you know, I've got to stop this. This is a busy man. So I have a rule now. Unless, unless the, it's something that pertains to the building burning down or being destroyed, I don't go in his office. I send him an email. <coughs> and when he has time, he sends me a reply. But let's be careful with that. And I know, I know that the majority of you are very good about that. But try not to, if you need to see the pastor, call the office, make an appointment, and, and, and come at a time when it's convenient for him. He's, how many of you have ever prepared a, a lesson, a Sunday school lesson or, or something like that? Any of you ever do that? Uh, you'll understand what I'm about to say. When you're in the middle of it and somebody bothers you, what happens? Poof. You lose your train of thought. You've got to go all the way back to the beginning and read through it and hope along the way you catch that that same train and uh, you'll be able to go through. So be careful with his time. Uh, It's very important. Guard his time. Then, secondly, we can uh, help the pastor in his labors by sharing in his labors. And I've talked about this a moment ago. (coughs) Do what you can. Uh, Certainly what we can do is be at every church service. Amen? When the pastor is going to be preaching, we ought to be here. By the way, I, I, I can't understand. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I just can't understand how Christians can, can lay out a church. I just can't understand it. And, you know, if, if I offend you in saying that, sorry. But I believe child, children of God are in church. That's what I believe. Uh, you know, growing up, I never missed a meal, you know. I didn't just, mama didn't open the back door and yell, dinner, which is lunch. Uh, I didn't just lay out in the backyard and say, ah. I don't feel like it. Too tired. Yeah, I'll I'll listen to it. I'll listen to it uh, on streaming, online, something like that. I think you ought to be there, amen? That's what I think. I think a Christian ought to be in church. So uh, that's my thought for the day. But anyway, share in his labors. Uh, Be a part of the work of the church. Uh, We each have a purpose in the church. Every one of you, you may not think you have any role in this church, but you have a purpose. God brought you here for a reason. There's a purpose in you being here. Find that purpose and fulfill it. Uh, So guard his time, share in his labors, and then let her see we can help him by promoting our church. By promoting our church. And real quickly, I'm going to give you three ways you can promote your church. One, through your personal testimony. I don't think these are on your study sheet, so you might want to jot them down. By your personal testimony, you can promote Berean Baptist Church. If people know you're a member of this church, prayerfully, hopefully you have a good testimony. And you, you, you give this church a good name. Secondly, by your deliberate witness, by literally going out and seeking uh, people and asking them if they are Christians. And you can promote your ch- church, thirdly, by your faithful commitment. By your faithful commitment. Uh, and then, lastly this morning, number four, uh, how to treat our pastor. Honor his position. Honor his position. Um... And in Hebrews chapter 13 we read obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you I think the best example we have in scripture uh concerning this matter of honoring the position is David and I don't have time to turn to 2nd Samuel and read it But in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 26, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 26, David stated, I will not raise my hand against God's anointed. David refused to kill King Saul when he had opportunity because King Saul was God's anointed man. And David would not do any harm to Saul. He ran from Saul. He fled from Saul so that he would not have to do anything to hurt the man of God. So we should remember that. Now let me, let me share these thoughts with you in closing. Three things. Uh, number one, do not speak out against your pastor. Do not speak out against your pastor. If you have an opinion, if you have something to say, keep it to yourself. If, if you get upset with the pastor, if he says something you don't like, if, if, if something happens and you don't like it, uh, the best thing to do is go, al- go away in private, get on your knees and beg God to take that away from you because you do not want to speak out against the pastor, against the man of God. Do not speak out against your pastor. Number two, do not listen to criticism about your pastor. It's real simple, just don't do it. Um, people don't criticize the pastor to me because I won't let them. If, if you and I are driving down the highway and you start criticizing the pastor, somebody's getting out of the car. If it's my car, it's you. If it's your car, it's me. Don't listen to criticism about the pastor. Um, I don't have time to read it, but um, in the book of Numbers, um, Aaron and Miriam were speaking out against Moses. How many of you know that story? And Miriam developed leprosy. God struck her down with leprosy. And, and God does not take well when we criticize and speak evil against his man. So don't speak evil yourself and don't listen to it. And then number three, and I'll close with this. For your children's sake, always address the pastor with a title of respect. You know, Pastor Smith, before he became Pastor Smith, was, was Mark. And one of the hardest things for me to do when he became pastor was to stop calling him Mark and start calling him pastor. But I made myself do it. Because he's a pastor and he deserves that respect. We voted him in as pastor, then let's respect him. Some people say, well, you know, I've known him him as Mark longer than I know him as pastor. I don't care. I don't care. Show him some respect. For your children's sake, show him some respect. Imagine if you walked into the a military base, and you walked up to the general, and his name was Joe. And you walked up, "Hey, Joe," and you're a private. You'll be the lowest private possible. I can promise you that. You better say, "Sir," you better re- you better salute him. You better show him extreme respect. By the way, that's a court martial offense to disrespect an officer. We ought to be. You know what? That'd be a great thing to bring in the church. Tr- we court martial people that don't show respect <laughs> to the pastor. Show him some respect. Pastor. Don't, don't, always make your children call him pastor. Uh, show some respect to the man of God. How do we treat our pastor? We have a wonderful pastor. But if we don't treat him right, God might just take him away and give us what we deserve. So you better be careful. All right, folks, that's it. I went overtime.